Well, kia ora, and welcome to another podcast deep dive. Really, really excited to share this one with you today with Lydia Lassila, absolute legend, five-time winter Olympian, gold medal, bronze medal as a freestyle aerial skier, crazy stuff, uh, two-time Australian survivor player, and her latest project, Zone by Lydia, which is, um, we talked about that, it's really cool. It's a business dedicated to providing sustainable yoga products, um, Really, really cool stuff. So you can check that out on Instagram, Zone by Lydia, or online. But yeah, sit back and enjoy um, the yarns with Lydia. Yeah, it's good to have you on. And you're in Helsinki. I'm actually up in the Arctic Circle in a, in a little ski resort called Levy. So we're up in Lapland in Finland at the moment, um, which we did the whole Corona escape from Australia <laughs> back in December. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hubby's, hubby's from Finland uh. and we've been living in, in a coastal town of Lawn down on the Great Ocean Road um, for a oh, good seven years now it's a place that I grew up holidaying and spent a lot of time as a kid so we've been living there mm. um which is still our home but at some point we've always thought we've got to get back and live in Finland full t- like a, or a semi kind of permanent basis um mm. just so that our kids can have that experience of going to school in in yeah. the culture and oh it's been the best honestly like it's um it's been such an amazing change i think which is what we kind of needed um after yeah. last year's you know lockdowns and what what not um oh yeah and, you know not being able to travel is uh, like having your wings kind of clipped um so oh, totally. that's i love to do and lots of other people do so we thought well let's not we're not going to just do a, a quick trip we can't mm. let's go and live in finland for the year and and um mm. have that experience and give our kids that experience too how are they finding it your kids yeah they're oh they've adapted so well like we've spent a lot of time in finland i used to train here when i was skiing and it was one of our bases anyway mm. and um so you know that's quite familiar and there's a lot to love um about it and plus we've got family and, and friends here as well but the kids have yeah my oldest son kai is just he loves skiing and yeah. so he's just developed you know really well and so has alec he's you know younger our youngest son who's who's six Mm. and yeah they're going to to school um and well alec is a bit he he was in prep in australia but now he's Mm. gone back to the garden and he's celebrating yeah 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 well i've heard the because i'm a teacher too and i've heard the finnish schooling system is the one of the best in the world yeah, they start later. So they start at seven. So our youngest will start this August, which is the start of the school six, school year. But honestly, we've found it to be next level for yeah. Kai. Um, yeah. The best thing about it for the parents is that there is no packed lunch boxes anymore, which I think is one of the best things you can do yeah, <laughs> at yeah. a school. So yeah. It gives us an hour of extra time every single morning, not having mm. to worry or think about what to pack in this cold lunch. <laughs> um, and the kids get served, you know, hot meals every day. Alec, who's at, oh, wow. at the garden, gets three meals a day. <laughs> so he gets breakfast there, lunch, and then a snack. He's got a better there than at home, I bet. <laughs> Honestly, so we're like, that is the one of the best things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the education system too, like, um, you know, Kai's, you know, he's, he's, I thought we, we were a bit worried about, you know, he speaks Finnish fluently and, but mm. he hadn't read or written in, in Finnish. So I was a bit worried about how overwhelming that might be for yeah. him, but he's come a long way. Cause so. are they going to a mixed like English Finnish kind of system or no, just straight? Yeah. Finnish. Oh, cool. So he's doing anyway, long story short. Loving it and doing really well. And I've heard too, something they do over there a lot is kind of play-based learning where, um, yeah, it's all exploration through play and through the outdoors and whatnot. So that's what we're finding with Alec, who's in the kindergarten. 
Mm. Um, you know, they're always out in the forest. They're always um, they're grilling sausages under their little kota. It's called like a little teepee. Yeah. They've got, because um, we're up so north, they've got a, a few Sami kids, which is the indigenous um, people of, of, you know, the art, art of Lapland. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So- Sami teachers and Sami cultures, um, culture getting brought into that whole kind of experience as well, which is fantastic. Um, and it is a lot of play. And we've, you know, just had an assessment brought back to us on Alec and without yeah. sharing any details, but it is very thorough. Yeah. And they yeah. know a child completely. <laughs> yeah. 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 So they are, you know, I think there's a big difference. They're, you know, educators here are paid really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and they are top notch. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think that's the cool thing is, and I know New Zealand we up in arms about it, but when you are paid well, um, yeah. in the in the role, you know, you're recognised for what you do, right? Um, yeah. So. And it's such an important role. You know, mm. I think we've all experienced having having to homeschool our children. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, we've all experienced how important that role is and understand how important that role is and that the teachers need to be paid and qualified. You know, they need, it, it needs to be difficult to become a teacher, yeah. I reckon as yeah. well, you know, because yeah. it's a hard job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not just like, okay, who can we throw at it to fill the spots? Cause there's all these okay. kids teacherless, which is the yeah. problem. We invest in our teachers and pay them well and educate them well so that they can mm. educate our children, which is yeah. you know, so important. Well, I'm going to claim that for me, <laughs> but, um, yeah. but I, that one thing I was thinking as well is for you and for your kids, you know, you are competitive, you, you've got motivation, you've got drive. How do you pass that on to your, to your kids? Like how do you teach them those, those same oh. kind of things, you know, is it just natural in terms of your daily? Think, yeah. I don't think you can teach drive and competitiveness and I'm very careful not to foster an ultra competitive kind of um, situation where or actually not a competitive but if they're competitive they're competitive and it's competition is good but Mm. not comparison and especially Mm. between myself and my husband you know he's a you know an olympic mogul skier i've been to five olympics you know i don't want my kids growing up going oh my god i have to do something like that they i just want them to do what they want to do and Mm. what they're passionate about but do it with purpose, find purpose in your life and, and go for it, you know. Um, so if they have a certain skill, if they have a certain interest, if they have a love for something, that's what I want to encourage and 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 help them, you know, and nurture um, and invest in that and see them grow into that, mm. you know, and that's, that's um, yeah, something that I'm mindful of even now. Kai, my my eldest, is really into skiing and he loves slope style and uh, jumping and all that kind of thing. And, you know, and there's a lot of knowledge that obviously we can pass on in terms of how do you prepare your body, how do you prepare for competition and and all those things. But he doesn't want to listen to us. No, no, no. Part of me is like, don't you understand? I have all this knowledge (laughs) I can share. Yeah. But then the other part of me is like, okay, well, He's also got to learn, you know, himself mm. and we can guide him and and um, help him the best way we can. But I never want to push. Mm. Yeah. I'm organically. Totally. And then how did how did that come for you then organically? It just was there. It was there and I can't explain drive, but it definitely is linked to, you know, having a purpose and, and, a, and a want from a very young age. And mine was the Olympics, mm. you know, that from the age six I was like I didn't know what sport I was going to do but I'm like I have to be one of those so I have to go and I have to stand on the dais and I have to have that gold shiny medal around my neck and Mm. that was the seed and that was the goal and that was my you know purpose for such a long time um and I think if you want something enough you you know you find a way to get there you find a way to make it happen and and that is the biggest thing, purpose in life, mm. you know, finding something that makes you feel fulfilled or that you want to get out of bed and work towards. Mm. Yeah, that, and that's huge. And I guess for people that may be listening and are going, oh, how do I discover that for me? What would you say? You know, people, because I mean, I, I mean, even I've been in that boat where I'm living it now as a teacher and doing podcasts, loving it, you know. Um, but for people that are going, you know, oh, how do I discover mine? You know, people can almost, you know, 
you know, yeah. freak out about um, they haven't discovered their why yet. But what would you say to someone like that? Yeah, and don't I, don't, I would say don't put too much pressure on it, but keep trying different things. Keep trying new experiences. Is You're not going to discover your why doing the same thing all the time, going to a job that you hate or being stuck in a relationship that you hate mm-hmm. or yeah. you know, whatever it is. You know, you can't change unless you change. So experience new things. Maybe set set a goal of, you know, this month I want to try four new things, one one a week. Yeah, cool. You know, maybe find something that you love, um, that you want to do. Or if you think about it, well, what are some of the things that that you don't have to think about doing? Whether it's like if you love to bake, you know, you just get up and do it. You're not over for someone that hates cooking, they're overwhelmed by that thought and all the 50 million ingredients. But for someone that loves it, they're like, oh, what can I create today? They <laughs> yeah, it's true. Totally different light. So it's about thinking about things um, that that you that are that are effortless yeah. for you in terms of you want to do. You're getting pulled towards them. You know. Mm. Yeah, it's almost less of seeking them yourself and almost letting them come to you. In that sense, right? You know, letting that instead of trying really hard and striving, it's actually I, I really enjoy this. You know. Yeah, and enjoy the moment of enjoying it, you know, and I think that we're so caught up these days of trying to capture things and document and, you know, track and I yeah. think um, we're just forgetting how to just enjoy experiences. And mm. For you, a moment. big part of that, obviously, is your Winter Olympics um, career, just skiing in general. Now, yeah. I don't want to be stereotyping here, but Australia, I can't imagine there's much snow around. No. So how, how did we how did we get there? <laughs> we how did we there. discover this? <laughs> yeah, um, by chance, really, sliding door moment. And um, I was a gymnast, competitive gymnast. That that was the sport that I I really loved, and I thought I was going to the Olympics in gymnastics, but didn't really work out. And um, retired at the you know ripe age of seventeen, and and was looking for something else to do. And I still had that kind of dream and that seed of oh gosh, I really wanted to be an Olympian. But I, I at that point thought that that was kind of done, you know. Um, but at 17, you know, I, I was still loved sport and wanted to try new things. And that's exactly what I did. I, I, someone said, oh, you've got great upper body strength. You could be a great kayaker. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll give yeah. that a go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> You know, and then uh, we spent a lot of time at the beach and I loved, you know, the whole life sa- surf life-saving and, and mm. that kind of ocean sports and, and, and surfing. And so that was at some point, that was a direction that, that you know, I, I really wanted to go. Um, I got asked to join um, the circus, which was the, Cirque, oh, it was the start of Cirque du Soleil, actually. No and way. And I thought. Now, bugger that. I'm not going to be a circus freak. I don't want to do that. It <laughs> would have been really lucrative. What would you have done? What would you have like the um, trapeze or something? I don't know. But I thought, no, that's not pushing it. That's not in the Olympics. <laughs> oh, gosh, um, that's too good. And then, and then I was, yeah, then it was just this idea that the Olympic Winter Institute, I'd never skied before, by the way, and right. um, and they had an idea of, of recruiting ex-gymnasts because we've got a lot of great ex-acrobats in 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 gymnastics in australia Mm. but not a lot of great skiers Mm. um not the same pool so let's recruit ex-gymnasts and see if we can turn them into aerial skiing which is a sport that we had started to have some success with with kirsty marshall and and Mm. jackie cooper yeah and so i was essentially asked there into that um it was a pilot program and I was a total guinea pig. It had zero structure compared to gymnastics that I was coming from, which was a very regimented, yeah, yeah. you know, sport. Um, going into aerial skiing, freestyle skiing was completely loose. So, um, but a great idea and a great concept of getting these great acrobats who are talented, you know, spatially and they've got great work ethic, mm. um, strong bodies. Let's, get them um, and see if we can teach them how to ski, which at that point people thought, nah, you can't learn skiing. You can, it's a, it's a you, I mean, you can't, you can't replicate someone. You can never be a good ski, as good of a skier as someone that's been doing it since they're two. You know, you just can't manufacture that feel and blah, blah, blah. Wow, yeah, and yeah. It was, it was um, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we proved that pretty much straight away. Um, <laughs> 
and I was at, within 18 months I was at my first Winter Olympics in in, in Salt Lake City in 2002. So I within 18 to, months, man. Yeah, eighth out. in the final of those Olympics. So the process worked, you know. Um, what I did to get there in that space of time was ridiculous. Like I, <laughs> I, I took a lot of risks and, the, as I said, got injured a lot because I was doing things I wasn't ready for and just um, it was a bit of a loose kind of structure. It was just like go. Mm. And I went, okay, I'll go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> took someone to plant the seed, you could go to the Olympics next year. And I'm like, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Tripled my volume, did all the crazy things and got there, you know. Um, wow. and, and suffered in consequence, I guess, um, with with injuries, but benefited with success in, in sport. So and and going to the Olympics. But um and that was the start of it all. But it worked and then every other country started to adopt the same process and right. China China began to do it and, and started doing it a lot better than us, you know, mm. by by backing it up with infrastructure and training facilities and things like yeah, that yeah. in their own. So it's um yeah it was a it was a steep learning curve. Mm. It's pretty cool because even New Zealanders, I think our last Winter Olympics, the last one that was on, we we did really well. I think New Zealand started to do to really well with our guys, eh? Yeah, um, they do in half pipe and slope style, especially. Yeah, uh, yeah no, they're really good. no aerial skiers, which is um. Mm. Which has always been a, a wonder for me. But, well, for yeah. you, for like, because here's the thing: I've I've watched um some some of those some of those moves. I don't even try and describe them because I'll do them disjustice by giving them the wrong name. The triple triple. Uh, sub, it looks like you're doing triples everywhere. Lots of flips and lots of twists. Lots of flips <laughs> and twists. But here's the thing: here's my question: is that I look at that. I think of that when I'm on a trampoline. If I want to attempt a front flip, which I've only ever tried to once, you've actually you got to commit. Otherwise, you're going to hurt yourself, right? For you, you're going up, like you you know the the logistics of the steepness and how much time you get to do all that stuff. But you're literally, I can only find out if I'm going to do it if I actually commit. I'm either going to land yeah, on my feet or I'm not. Yeah, you can't just do it, um, you know, as a little recreational hobby on the weekend or build up to it. It's like when you're skiing into the single kicker, which is the jump, you do one flip. That's yeah. what it's designed to kick you in the air to do. And you're skiing at that about 30 kilometres. Then you move to the double. And that is designed to kick you into the air and do two flips. And so you ski into that at about 50 kilometres an hour. And then you do your two flips. And they're steep, you know. They're yeah. like almost vertical jumps. So they're, And then they're, they're, they're big and they're so designed to throw you two stories. And then you move to the triple, which you ski in at about 70 kilometres an hour, <laughs> and that's designed to make you do three flips and you're going 14, your apex is 14 metres. Yeah. So they're not small jumps, you know, and and that's what it's, uh, was always frustrating about the sport It's because you either go or you don't. And if you are wishy-washy or you hesitate or you have a brain fart or yeah. whatever, you know, the consequences are huge. Like they're, they're, they're deadly, you know. Well, so, it's true, right? I mean, talking yeah. talking injury, you've had your fair share, but here's yeah. the reality. You've come back from, and correct me if I'm wrong, but ACL twice, among mm. other things. And that's, mm. and that's not easy to come back from, from a, from an actual, from an injury point of view, but at the same time, the confidence to actually land back on a knee that's had that kind of injury. Any sport, you hurt your elbow or whatever, playing what you know, basketball. When you go into to the yeah, into hard. the paint, you're actually mentally a little bit timid as well. Yeah. How totally. how did you kind of get through that? Like how how did you talk yourself into it again? Yeah, it's coming back from any injury. Even I mean, I've had four ops on my left knee. I've you know had a shoulder reco. Concussion is a scary one too because that is mm. so unknown, I suppose. And you're just so what you you know you really you've done all the tests and you you're passing all the tests. You know that you've got to get go yeah, go through to get back to sport. But you've still got that doubt. Am I okay? <laughs> what if I hit my head again? Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, and it's scary coming back. But there's a process, and that's why you know we we take that process of you know starting really small, you know, and that's in the gym, 
It's can I jump off this box and land with one leg without right. my knee, no turning in and out? Is it solid? Is there pain? You know, and that's a build-up. Before you can jump off the box, you've got to do a tiny little mini squat or mm. a leg press or this, and you build up over time. You cannot expect to go back straight away without having prepared. It's too scary. And with time, as you start to have these little wins and you gain in strength, you start to almost feel like you're becoming yourself again and your mm. confidence comes back. But you've got to do the work and the work is physical but it's also mental and Big emotional. Time. Big time. It's, it's 90% of it. And so I did a lot of work with my, my mental training coach, Jeff Hodges. He was instrumental for me because there was so much fear about, you know, what happens in the past. I, like I blew my knee at the Torino 2006 Olympics in the semifinals, mm. and that was six, six months after I'd blown it the first time. So there was a lot of fear involved with yeah. that. Um, coming back for the next Olympics 2010, you know, what if I do the same what thing What if? Again? That's the question, right? What if? You've got so much fear about what if I don't get to the level that I believe I can get to? What if this is just never going to work? You know, um, yeah, what if I hurt myself again? Um, you've got and, and there is that those thoughts definitely are there. And that's why you've got to then do the work mentally to be able to deflect them, to be able to change that thought in an instant mm. of not being aware of your thoughts so okay i'm thinking that stop lid nah that's not you let's focus on the lydia that you're trying to be your your knee is super strong now you can you know you can squat 120 kilos there's nothing to worry about yeah. you know but you've been training this you've done you've done all your preparation you are ready you know yeah. and that's constant convincing <laughs> yeah. and negotiating with yourself to prove and to to instill that confidence. Confidence is king mm. in sport. Yeah. You know, business cash is king. Confidence in sport is king. And yeah. without that, you're stuffed. Yeah. And the and a good team around you, I can imagine, right? Yeah. The team helps you preserve the confidence. Mm. You know, they they are there to reassure you, you know, whether it's your physio, your coach and, and a good team. All have their expert roles and they are there to support your vision, you mm. know. And that was really instrumental for me. And that's every day was a certain battle, mm. you know, but there were certain wins. And if that belief is there, that was strong, that drive, I wanted it. I wanted to find a way to make it happen despite the setbacks, you yeah. know. And if you've got people in, on board with you all and moving in the same direction, that's when the magic can happen, you know, and um, you've got to put the work in. Yeah, it's totally. Not easy. Well, what about you get to that moment you've dreamed of? You know, you're on the podium, and I know you've probably spoken about this time and time again, but it's a, it's a valid question. You are now in the middle of, of two people. You've just landed your jump, 2010, gold medal. You know we're about to sing the national anthem and a gold medal's your way. What What is that feeling? It's um, majestic. I like <laughs> it's, it. Um, <laughs> it's the feeling of all the build-up and anticipation and worries because just complete and the fear is replaced by just adrenaline and, like, bliss. You're on that natural high of the best concoction of drugs ever. Yeah, yeah. Does it kind of make you want to stop there? Um, no. Sometimes it does, um, but I think what happens is once you achieve something that you you know kind of wanting to do for so long, your your brain automatically goes, okay, what's next? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it it does, you know, and everyone achieves a milestone of whether that okay, I've lost ten kilos. Do you want to go back? Mm. I don't know. Do you want to go forward? Or, exactly. You know, yeah. um, so. I think it's, yeah, it's that constant, like, yeah, just wanting to hit the next benchmark for me. That was what it was. And that was what it was for, you know, wanting to continue after a gold medal. You think that that's enough for you to go, okay, I'm that's success. That's what I thought success was, but it's not entirely. Mm. Success is milking yourself yeah, yeah, <laughs> for yeah, every yeah. of energy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. God, I think, and that's that's fulfilling. If you, at the end of the day, you can hang up your boots or a courier and go, you know what, there is nothing more that I could have done 
mm. you know, with the resources that I had and the time that I had, I did everything I could to make myself as successful as possible. Um, so that is success for me. But then you come back and get your bronze. Now, you, you might argue it's not the heights of gold. You're still on the podium at Olympic in Olympic Games, you know. They're not easy to win, um, those Olympic medals. So I, and I had a break after the 2010 Olympics yeah. because I wanted to become a mum, which is also important for me. So I had Kai and then I decided to go back. Um, I, I was always going to go back and people thought I was mad. Um, yeah. And often I think, yeah, you know, becoming a mum, they don't think you've got the same drive or maybe the same willingness to take you know, the risks, I suppose. Um, But none of that really changed for me. There was, again, another goal that I had and it wasn't, it was to back, like, win another gold medal for sure. I wanted that. But it was to go a bit step further and do a trick that no woman had done before. I wanted to break the boundaries of myself um, but also the sport. And so that was to do be the first woman to do a quad twisting triple somersault. And that that was a trick that I just had to do. You know, I had to achieve and I had to get. Um, that was the next milestone for me. And so that was the build-up to the 2014 Olympics was was obviously I was a mum, a yeah. little bub in tow, yeah. which when I look back now, I was like, what the freaking hell are you thinking? <laughs> Yeah. Um, and how did I do it? <laughs> but, yeah. you know, the drive was there and yeah. you just put the people in place and you go for it, you know. And um, and, I, and I suppose for me sport was never like it was never looked at as a career option and like, oh, this is a money-making thing for me mm. because it never was like aerial skiing. It's not like tennis, you know, or golf. Yeah. There was never any money to be made in it. But um, But what I guess gave me... That financial security was like, but by that stage, I had already been running my own business for like eight years. So my mm. first business, Body Ice, which is <laughs> ice and heat pack compression systems for <laughs> different joints of the body, which organically grew out of my own suffering and injury. How good. <laughs> so, <laughs> Turn so the situation had, around. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And that started after, you know, Torino Olympics when I busted my knee and was home for a year. So, um, so, but that was a really important part of it because it meant that I wasn't pressured to to do sport for financial reasons. Um, it meant that I didn't have to worry about getting sponsors or, or, or whether I had them or not, you know, that was, I had them, which was great, but it wasn't a must because I had, you know, some financial security coming in hmm. from running a business remotely. Hmm. And so... That meant that I was free to to go and pursue this passion of sport and see how far I could go and be able to put the people, the extra people that I needed in place, mm. you know, um, which when I look back was, it was a huge benefit um, and I don't think I could have, you know, had the longevity if I didn't have that business going in the background. So that was really important. Um and you know, with a good team and and everyone moving again in the right direction, that you know that dream was realised at 2014 Olympics. You know, made the super final and had a choice: last jumpers out of one one round to go, four jumpers. Yeah, there's a you know one in four chance you're going to be on the podium or not. Yeah, as or not as as for you though, like I can imagine winning the gold is obviously the highlight in that sense. But just in terms of winter, like winter village and game set up, and out of the five you've been to, was 2010 your favourite, or what, is there one that was just as fun? Even if you didn't, you know, maybe achieve the heights you wanted, but in terms of just, I guess, oh, the experience I, itself, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, 2010 was the best setup for sure. Right, because that's Vancouver. Yeah, Salt Lake City was very well run as well. Mm. Um. But our team have always wanted to stay in sub-site accommodation, which right. is not in the Olympic Village. And to be honest, I don't enjoy being in sub-site accommodation. I feel completely removed yeah. from the experience. I, I know that in the Olympic Village I can always find my nook and um, 
and quiet place. I don't yeah. have to be distracted by what's going on. Um, and so 2010, we were in the village um, because I was working with a Swiss coach and just wanted to be with them. And it was the best time, mm. honestly. I like it. I, I really loved that setup because of that experience because you can, you can go and get a massage whenever you want. Yeah. You can get your hair done. Yeah. You can be alone or you can go and people watch in the cafeteria and watch all these famous hockey stars. And, you yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just go and fan out. <laughs> You know, and see how what they eat and how they prepare, and you, know, you just got your headphones on. I'm so. gonna eat that next time. <laughs> yeah, it was so cool, you know. And so I, I really loved um, that that village life. Sochi was a bit different. It, it felt a bit more um, sterile, I suppose. Like mm. it just had the same buzz. So- Sochi in Russia. Yeah, yeah, so the Canadians, you know, they embrace winter sport. They yeah. love it, especially the hockey. You know, they I went to the final of a hockey where the USA and Canada and Canadians won. So it was oh, just, it would have been know, wild. That would have been so wild. Wild. So that was for me. That was um, big, big, you know, that was the epitome. Like that was the best fun. Salt Lake City was fun. Um, Pyeongchang, we stayed in subside accommodation, and I failed <laughs> miserably. Yeah, had yeah. A bad yeah. And it sucked <laughs> for me. There's the but, evidence right there then. Well, yeah, that's mindset but, again though, right? If you, you, you're yeah. involved in the experience versus removed from the experience and the results, show, you know, I'm not, you could say. Look, it's, there's, there's a lot that goes into having in a great performance. And if the togs aren't all there, if, the, if everything's not in place, you know, and I know exactly wasn't in what wasn't in place, even though my preparation was great. Mm. Um, you, I know where, where you know, you have. I'm pretty honest with myself, and and yeah. I know where I messed up there. Yeah, you know? yeah. And in every failure that I've had, which have been many, mm, mm, but mm. I know, you know, exactly what I've done to have the best performance of my life, and that feeling of just being completely in the zone, you know, of of feeling effortless and feeling completely in focus and able to. Just, just deflect those distractions and focus on the one thing you know, mm. that you have to do in that given moment, and and that's a magical place, yeah. you know. And that's that's in my head, and and that feeling is in my body, and that is the that is, I mean, that's my, that's one of the best experiences mm. in life to be in that state of that higher consciousness. And but here's and here's what I'm thinking too. You know, you've done these incredible things and with that boosts your profile as just a person that is now recognized in the streets yet yeah, talking to you so down to earth and it's it's you well, could exactly <laughs> well exactly and That's i guess you. yeah yeah and but for the question then is because people can let it get to their head you know um mm. you haven't well i think because one of the one of the things i think is really important about any athlete, um, any professional athlete transitioning into the normal world, because let's face it, we can't do it forever, hmm. unless you're a golfer, of course. And you <laughs> <laughs> then you're set for <laughs> life. <laughs> on that sport. Yeah. Um, but is letting your identity, you know, as or, or, or letting your sport define you as the only identity. So... That's something I've been very wary of because I've seen the dangers in it, you know, of someone being, I am so-and-so, the tennis player. Yeah. And that is it. No, we're not just it. We're so much more than that. And I am Lydia. I am, you know, the aerial skier. I was once. Um, I am an Olympic champion, but I'm also a mum yeah. who likes to cook great food and loves to travel and experience different cultures who loves to run businesses and build brands and products you know I'm the, the wife as well so uh, you know there, there's so much more to a person than just the one thing and and um, I've never held on to that or wanted to hold on you know to mm. the fact that I'm a now a, a burnt out aerial scare what's the point I've, that's something I did Mm. in my life and I'm loved every single moment of it yeah it's not entirely who I am that was a chapter and life goes on I love you, you know? saying I that surfing I love yoga you know yeah. I'm trying to be a yoga teacher you know like I there's so much more to to do <laughs> 
to then get caught up on this past self that you are. 100%. I am. I recently did one of these conversations with an English rugby player, Sam Tompkins, and he said, you know, I'm Sam Tompkins at the moment, the Wigan and former um, rugby league star in New Zealand. I don't want to be that forever. I want to be Sam Tompkins, the the builder, or Sam Tompkins, the renovator, or the property, you know? And I think that's yeah. the same for you, because even your brand, now is it, correct me if I'm wrong, Zone, or is it Zone by Lydia? Yeah. So Zone, yeah. Because yeah. um, that looks awesome. I was checking it out, and I've had to learn lots doing podcasts of like just, just like content and, and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. It looks so good. You've got it looking awesome. Thank you. And it's come from a really organic place, you know, like zone is is about that magical place that I just described before, that mo- that that feeling of bliss and, and where if everything is effortless. It's about finding, try, encouraging people to try and find their zone. Mm. And so, yes, essentially it's a yoga brand, um, but it's highly focused on sustainability because that is one of the biggest passions for me at the moment is like, hey, right, I've just had kids, but they might not be able to. Yeah. That's a real fear for me. Like climate anxiety is is huge. Mm. And so it's um, about now, you know, educating people on sustainable materials. So we have, you know, cork yoga range. Um, we've got hemp apparel and clothing because hemp is one of the biggest carbon sequesters in the world. Wow. Um, it absorbs four times more carbon dioxide than trees. So we should be planting that shit everywhere. Exactly, and yeah. Products. So I'm no fashion designer, but I um, thought, oh, my God, we've got this amazing hemp fabric mm. and it's so durable and it was actually the, the first textile humans ever used. Yeah, Ancient. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> why aren't we using it? So the cotton industry came in and all the synthetic industries came in and they smeared hemp mm. um, by associating it with pot, which yeah. it's not. Industrial yeah. hemp has very low levels of THC and can't get you high. Yeah. So if you smoke the clothes or eat the soup, <laughs> you're not going to get high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a cannabis, but it's not the same thing. And so they pretty much abolished the whole hemp industry. So um, anyway. That's, that's but hold on, let's talk about that because for you, I saw, I read somewhere um, where you talked about even like your yoga mat being your sanctuary, your safe space. Yeah, I read that and I just think, wow, this isn't just you know you got into yoga and now let's try and make some money from it because you know that's not the heart behind it at all. It is it feels organic and genuine from this place of let's actually think beyond ourselves. Yeah. Let's think about our kids and, and our grandkids and you know. Yoga for me, I started doing yoga in 2012 and at that time I had a severe back injury and the surgeons and specialists to the point of they were going to singe my, you know, do a surgery and and basically singe my nerves so I wouldn't feel the pain anymore. (laughs) That sounds gnarly. And and stop jumping. And I'm like, screw you guys. There's got to be another way. And so I found... My, my mental training coach actually put me in touch with Duncan Ewing, who's from Yoga Arts Academy, and within two sessions I was probably 50% pain, more pain-free. Wow. Like this guy is a magician. And yoga has been, um, I mean, it's an ancient practice. Before there was paper, before there was anything you could record on, you know, yoga's been there. Mm. and designed as a science and mm. and it's been bastardized by so many spin-offs and you've got goat yoga sauna yoga hot yoga yeah. g-string yoga these days which, <laughs> you know, like why yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but you know and it, there's so many different kind of spin-offs and anyway i found duncan and he taught me, you know, he's very traditional and and um, he taught me the process and everything I know up to now. And um, But what it gave me was um, paint, paint, well, it, it fixed my back yeah. 100%. So I was convinced this, there's something in this. But it's made me a better person mm. as well. It's It does. When I step onto my mat, I am in my zone. You know, well, that's yeah, what it's called cool. zone. Yeah, yeah. I am there. I am focusing on the movements and I am in that moment 
And those lessons that you learn on the mat, you then take to your work, to your practice, to your to my jumping, you mm. know, and and yoga um, and learning all the breathing techniques associated with that for sure gave me longevity in sport. Yeah. You know, where I could have maybe gone to three Olympics, I was able to go to five because mm. of yoga, for yeah. sure. Well, and, and, you know, I can testify to that because um, – like you said, people bastardize yoga or people put it in this picture of it's if you do it, you're you're a weirdo. Like it's less so now, yeah. but it was like that quite, you know, years yeah. ago. And But a yeah. friend of mine was in the similar boat. He's a rugby player, professional rugby player, and he got um, osteitis pubis, which is where the yeah. pubic bone grinds yeah. away, right? And he was mm. buggered. Like he went, he did everything from cortisones to uh, all sorts. Does yoga, he's back playing rugby again. Yeah, and it's the right yoga. I mean, (laughs) you know, finding someone. Yoga was never meant to be taught in a group or a class. Mm. It's a one-on-one practice. And so if you can find a yoga teacher that offers personal tuition, then you know that you're on the right path because their ability to then assess your body and see your your blockages, I suppose, or your places of stiffness or um, Mm. the differences between one side and the other. You know that is is really key and alignment. You know, making sure you know you're in line. That's why there's alignment lines on our yoga mat because to to, to make sure you know you're yeah. keeping in in line. But then um, you know, so that is a really big part of it. And then as I practiced, you know, and trying to find the right mat, and some would be really nice and grippy, but stink of rubber or plastics yeah, or whatever. Yeah them and and so i was like now let's make i really want to make something or find something that that is more natural in feel is sustainable material because you can go into any cheap supermarket these days and get the you know crappy anything hundreds and thousands millions of them in the system (laughs) so it's about (laughs) trying to divert people from buying crap Mm. like that maybe spend a little bit more on, on good quality, sustainable products. And that's in everything I bring out for Zone. You know, it's it's very important to me. Yeah. And has it grown? Have you seen that? Have you seen yourself making a bit of a dent so far? Yeah. I mean, we only launched last year in May. Um, oh, wow. And so, oh, sorry, in March. Yeah, in March. So we're only about a year old. But certainly, you know, and people really love the product, which is important to me. Um, we just released um, clothing, the hemp clothing in March, so that's so it's only two months old. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. But people, there's been really great response, you know. And I'm not a fashion designer, but I'm into slow fashion, you know. And I want to, I want to make things that are built to last and are comfy and that, that I wear, mm. you know, all the time, and um, and don't have all the crap in them, yeah. you know, sustainable materials. So, yeah, there's a lot more I want to do. Totally. Um, and there's a lot more growth, you know, that can happen. And we've just um, in the process of becoming um, carbon neutral with, with a company called Climate, Climate Neutral, So, which awesome. is, is great because we can invest in, in nature-based, you know, initiatives that, that not only will offset our carbon emissions but, you know, invest in things that, um, that we need to be investing in, whether that's, you know, forestry and, and, and soil regeneration, all of those things that, that are going to be really important. You know, for, for people, us. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And for people listening that, I guess, A, want to, I guess my it's a double-pronged question for people listening that want to get into yoga and actually the right yoga, where would you send them? And secondly, for people that actually want to access Zone products, and hearing, because I mean, I'm hearing this right now, and I'm already thinking, okay, how much money have I got in my um, my MISC account to uh, get some of this stuff over to New Zealand? Um, yeah, where, where, where would you say to go a for for their own yoga, and then b to actually access Zone? Is that like you know Instagram, online, blah blah blah? Yeah, so Zone Zone um, Zone by Lydia um, is where you can go there, and we actually have twenty dollar flat rate shipping on. For international orders now so for orders over 200 bucks so um which is fairly reasonable um yeah. it costs us a lot more to send it over internationally so we're taking a bit of a hit there but but we want people to um be able to experience and enjoy our products as well and it's not really about like i'm so torn like it's not about selling more 
but it's about replacing what's being made. Being made. You know, mm. Replacing that demand with something more sustainable so that people stop making shitty plastic yoga mats and mm. stop making synthetic garments because we don't need to be doing it. Mm. Yeah. We don't need it. Um, so don't buy more. Buy less. <laughs> yeah. Buy good stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, so zonevalidia.com, uh, we're on Instagram as well. And for yoga, I would try and find someone in your local um, area that does one-on-one tuition um, cool. rather than a group class where they can pay attention to your alignment. If not, um, I know that my 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 yoga master, Duncan Ewing, um, has you know really expanded himself in the last year i know he's not he's not a self-promoter um he's not a marketer um and yoga is big business yeah you know and there's people that are not qualified who are experts now yeah yeah. and i'll forever be a student i will never be the level of him and i'm fully aware of that but Mm. he has gone online so he's um at yoga arts academy.com Awesome. Or .com.au, you can just you'll find him, Duncan Ewing, and you can join in on his Zoom live sessions, or you can buy a membership, which I've done, um, which is has a lot of his recordings. And the thing that I love about his yoga practice is that he explains the alignment, he explains why breathing is so important, when to breathe, but everything is accessible to everybody. He always yeah. provides a variation that is safe for everyone. So you're going to have a great yoga practice um, with really expert um, explanations. So I would seek him if you can't find anyone in your area. Yeah. So this is getting me excited because I've done it a few <laughs> times and I've loved it. I've always found it very hard, um, yes. you know, because I'm a football player. So my knees and my hips are busted up. Um, yeah. But even hearing this – Maybe it's also because I've never had a proper mat. I think the last time I did it, I had a towel at the gym that I did it on, and it was not a good time. Better off going hard floor. Yeah, but I will. Um, I'll make sure when we post this up, Lydia, that I'll put links to 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 you guys. Um, so people can like just come through. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, helps. It helps. That's for sure. Spread the word. Yeah. Spread the love. Well, when you get a if you get a million followers out of nowhere. Hey. I know where they're coming from. <laughs> yeah, they're coming from New Zealand, a quarter of our country. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, I feel like I've saved the best for last, um, and it's only in my opinion because I I love the show, but it's not just the show, and and I've had you know friends that have been on it, but Survivor experience encompasses. I think when I hear you know your story, the things you've done, your mindset, your mantra, I can't think of a better reality show to go on. Because a lot of people, and I'll put this out there now, and I, we've had Survivor players hop on this before, and I've said it then too, but it is as real as you can get that show. Like it's not cameras go off and you get fed in beds, and it's as real as it gets. For you, uh, let's talk that first experience first, going on to Survivor Champions vs. Contenders, eh? That's what it was. Yep. What, what was your mindset going into that? Did you know it was going to be what it was? No, I had no idea, to be honest. Like I'd watched Survivor before, but the reality of of it all and, and um, you know, in, in one Survivor episode, that's three days' worth of content from two tribes. <laughs> so you can imagine three days, 24-7, of, from two tribes or three tribes, you know, for us it was two, but um, of content. There is so much that happens in that time and the whole production side of things as well was quite um quite a shock you know I've done a lot of tv stuff but the you know so in between challenges um you you they've got to move camera crew and obviously contestants from you know the challenge location back to to the camp or or your beat wherever you're staying and that could be an hour away it could be 40 minutes away but you're sometimes waiting two or three hours in a tent, blindfolded or unable to talk. Um, like you're on lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> we all know what that feels like. <laughs> yeah, that's on talk. steroids. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, until you can then move and get back to the beach and once you're on the beach, cameras are rolling and that's when you can start 
strategizing because they don't want anyone to strategize off camera. So that's a strict rule. You cannot talk unless there's a camera around. So there's a lot of downtime where you're just there, you know, doing nothing, waiting. Um, So that was a shock. But the whole, that first night, you never forget the first night of sleeping on the ground or on bamboo or wherever you are and you're freezing because it's cold at night and you've got, you know, uh, luckily I packed enough or I wore the right clothes. Yeah. I kind of anticipated that because I hate being cold. I'm a winter athlete who hates being cold. Uh, that's, there's the irony, eh? <laughs> yeah. And, um, but there was people, you know, in tanks and shorts freezing their asses off and we're all cuddling and huddling. And But honestly, one of the best experiences of my life and I wish I could do a Survivor Month every year mm. because I think, it's so important to get back down to basics and to realise how little you need to survive. Um, but also, you know, you build friendships within a couple of weeks that yeah. are so deep and so um, real and you develop such a connection with people um, and and not with others at all because yeah. you just, you know, your people, right? Yeah. And, um, and it just highlights the importance of, proper undistracted connection yeah where you are just in conversation flowing back and forth learning about someone and you get to learn more about them Mm. when you see them under pressure yeah or you see them win or you see them fail Mm. or you see them miserable so you get to know someone really really people really well it's a great human experiment but it brings the best and the worst out of people you know which you see in sport as well you see totally you see the worst come out or the best um i loved it for that and i would love to do that every year yeah yeah. (laughs) i love the challenges because they just push you and they're you know they look so quick on tv there's like a five minute segment however hours and they are mega and borderline dangerous definitely dangerous. you can get really up from those um everyone's got cuts and bruises and really full-on injuries um, I remember Jerry telling me that you guys would like exchange, like, look at my snake bite or not my snake bite, look at my spider bite or look at my infected yeah. leg. <laughs> it's just like gnarly ass. Yeah, hideous. The first one, yeah, I had, oh, man, I got stuck on a, well, I was wrestling on a pontoon and scraped up my legs that got infected and it was so painful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so stuff like that happens all the time. Um, and then there's the game side of things, which, you know, is really exhilarating and fun as well. But there's so much that's left to chance or luck in this in that game as well. You know, it's a matter yeah. of picking out a, the wrong colour buff that completely just flips your game, yeah. you know, or, and throw a spanner in the works and then some people get lucky and it's you find that idol, you don't find the idol. There's so much um, that yeah. is not in your control which you know that's the game and it's it's a great game yeah well it's i mean great. you were labeled challenge beast for for a reason and you could just tell every um every confessional you were just like i love it i love these challenges i'm just i'm you know <laughs> but i still remember um vividly you're up on this pole at merge Ugh. and I, I mean it's a tough moment and yeah. i just remember you're just like beasting this challenge and i remember when matt and um shane and yeah whoever they steve i think they started talking and i think i watched that yeah. and it's just like oh man does that still when you think about that does it still make your heart go oh, oh at first it did because because uh, we were a really good team with matt steve you know we'd made it we'd made it to merge together after being split up and I thought we'll just come back together because we're such a good team Mm. and we were going to stick together but then people panic, you know, come merge and they do silly things and, um, you know, so that was a bit disappointing obviously because I would have loved to have stuck around but I know, you know, I'm fully aware why that's the game, you know, and if someone's going to win a lot of individual immunities, that's, that's also a, a threat as well. But was that in your mind? Like I, I'm going to get them before they get me? No, no. It was to work together and and help protect each other, mm. you know, um, mm. until we couldn't anymore, until yeah. it was the game on. Now we self, we, we cannibalise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But 
to the plan until then. Mm. Um, but yeah, things change in that game all the time. But it's um, yeah, I don't enjoy the TV side of things um, when post production because then yeah. it's out of your control and they can spin the story, you know, however they want, and they can show and showcase whoever they want and forget whoever they want and it's um it's actually tough to watch <laughs> and tough for someone that doesn't actually like to be in yeah. the public eye so yeah. much yeah um i don't really enjoy that um i yeah that was a bit it was hard because do you know i i i um i saw this i think they were casting recently for australian survivor and i like i know that would never i wouldn't have happened but i remember having this thought of i'm just gonna apply as a kiwi and just be like <laughs> you know what if you're scared to have a New Zealander on, like, because I'm not eligible technically, but I was like, I was going to try and do something real, you know, try and be real cocky and be like, well, okay, you're too scared to have a Kiwi on then. All good. I understand. But then I remember looking at one of the, the terms and conditions because I know you were recruited differently, right, in terms of being a champion and stuff. And one of the terms and conditions literally says, we have the right to exploit you and your image and any material and footage we film, we can twist to the element of the story arcs. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. um big fine print. Well, exactly. And um, I think the whole joy or, or, or excitement of being on the show and having that experience, you know, far like it can kind of, you know, put, you put your rose-coloured glasses on thinking, ah, she'll be right. Um, and I was, I got off really, you know, lucky because uh, I wasn't, you know, I didn't get death threats yeah, <laughs> or I didn't, yeah. you know, on what people experience and it's very sad but um i know for for me i was you know everyone is a character and so yeah. i was on tv i was serious and this like terminator kind of style of woman that just i want to win you know, <laughs> kind of to come across yeah. a strong lady and i don't know how to play a game and i'm doing stupid things and yeah, yeah i will climb so you want me climb, I climb. And I don't know why I'm talking like that, but I'm pretending to be a cave woman. I suppose. Um, oh. But, um, but you know, they wouldn't show you me crying or laughing or cracking a joke or farting. or. There's the ed- that's the edit right there, right? The power of the edit. You know, like, yeah, when it's challenge time, I'm beast mode. Mm. But otherwise I'm funny and happy mm. and I like to just live. Be and old. strategic, and you know. And very strategic, yet they don't like to show that side of you. Yeah, yeah. Um, tell me about your second experience, second time around All-Stars. I'm going to lead in with this question and feel free to answer it how you want to. But um, do you think it was fair? Um, not, well, it's it's everything for me was going awesome in All-Stars. Like up until the first two weeks, I was in, felt like I was in the right place and I'd done the legwork. But, um, That's right. You got switched over, right? Eh? And I was stuffed. Yeah. I was completely stuffed up straight away. So you know, that's the that's that's the the draw. You know, and that's what's hard to take about that game because you 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 um you don't have control over that. Mm. Um, and then I stuffed up too. I stuffed up the fire challenge, which is crazy because I know how to make fire, but. Choked. The pressure of a moment, eh? Like you never know. But yeah. I think, to be fair though, if well, they didn't make that you started twist, not to work. You just, you, yeah. I lost it. You know, in that moment, yeah. you know. Well, I Has think. <laughs> it to- well, um, you're right, and but I also think though that if you if they hadn't had that twist, because the one thing I my one critique of because I watched the US too would be how Australian Survivor will just throw a curveball at you and say every second week it's like. Someone's not going to get voted out this week. You're actually going to go to Redemption Island, or this week it's two people getting voted out. It's like where you get voted out, yet then you go to you join another tribe, or you then go and have another. You don't even have to fight to get back in. You know, we had that situation in 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 All Stars, so that kind of sucks because then someone else's road is completely horrid and and you know just such a struggle, whereas someone kind of can manage to just get that luck, you know, and it's weird. It's weird, mm. but that's the game and you just, you know, yeah. whatever. One of, it is. Oh, exactly. And one of the things I saw them paint you as in that second one is I'm out for revenge. 
not just you. There was yeah. a couple of other survivors that were like, I'm out for revenge too. This is the revenge season. Of course, because there's going to be, you know, people in there that you've played with before. That. But was that uh, your vendetta or did it get painted um, that way? Well, it's funny because I really wanted to team up with people that people would think I've got something against. So... You know, going into it, you know, Sean's obviously a really good friend of mine, um, mm. but strategically I had to play that down and instead say, well, <laughs> you know, I just want to get it back. She's, you know, yeah. she's, but really we're working together, you know. So it's kind of um, I actually have always wanted to, to team up with unlikely people that, you know, that I wouldn't normally be paired with. So in, in Champions versus Contenders, me and Sam were working together. Yeah. And we we actually said, let me and you, whatever, no matter what, because no one will think it. Yeah. If I were to, you know, teamed up with um, Matty Rogers or, or Steve, you know, then you're a power couple. It's true. But me and Matt, you know, uh, me, and, me and Sam, no one would have, no one realised that they didn't even know and it never got talked about on the show, you know. So many, eh? So many undercover things get swept under the, <laughs> the radar, yeah. you know. Um, didn't even feel – you didn't feel slightly tempted to, to get oh, get um, teaming up with Russ? Oh, God. <laughs> no, that was someone that I just was not attracted to from the get-go. <laughs> oh, because did you know who he was when he walked onto the mat? I'd, yeah, I'd seen other, I'd seen him before, but I just didn't like him. Yeah, you know, he, yeah. just because he, he had that, he defined himself as a survivor player, and that's a struggle that a lot of you know reality stars have as well. It's this whole thing that we were talking about before. Mm. They've been recognised. They've got this kind of instant fame, this five-minute flash in the pan, yeah. and they think it's going to last forever. And they've got this new identity, and then they realise that. It's not what it seems, yeah. and they're gonna have to go back to work like everyone else and get a real job. Yeah, yeah. And no, but they still want to hold on. To I this, am you know, that image. I, I am a reality star. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, and that's hard. Reality TV is not easy. You know, it's not easy throwing yourself out there in the public mm. domain. But um. And I, but I really love the experience. So Good. if you ask me, I'd do it again. You do it again. I don't the TV side of things. Um, I don't enjoy the post-production side of things. I don't enjoy the show, mm. but I enjoy the game. Yeah, cool. And the experience. I reckon we should do a New Zealand versus Australia. Yes. Wouldn't that yes. be cool? Yes. 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 That's not who's who talks like that. Me. <laughs> New Zealand. Not anyone, not anyone I knew. Oh. Oh, I'm so self-conscious now. <laughs> um, what an experience. If you had to say the biggest thing, taking that away. Actually, no, I'll phrase it this way. When your kids are old enough to understand Survivor, and I actually not, not just Survivor, but just your journey in general, but let's say Survivor, what would you say to them is the biggest takeaway from that experience? Well, something that we I implemented straight away was never a device at the dinner table good good <laughs> you know like so many things like that and just appreciating the, the conveniences that we have but take your kids camping take him into the dirt and sleep under the stars and mm. you know that's the that's living if you're asking me like yes it's nice to have a roof over your head and a doona yeah but you never forget a doona a doona. Oh, yeah. A duvet or a cover on your bed. What do you call that? Yeah, we call that a duvet. Yeah. A, a doona. <laughs> I love it. Doona. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's new. Right. Um, you know, yeah, it's all. It's, it's about those things. Enjoying, oh, I don't know, just my old bloody mantra these days is less stuff, more experiences. I love you know, that. Yeah. Why we're here in the Arctic, living way up in the Arctic Circle because it's cool, yeah. literally. Yeah. Is there wolves up there? Probably. You haven't, heard, you haven't heard any howling in the night? No, no. Are there, are there lynx and there's, I don't think there is wolves. Oh, no, there is wolves. Yeah, there is. Yeah, that's where they're yeah. from. <laughs> the Arctic Circle. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely wolves, um, but I have not seen any. Lydia, I was so excited when you said yes to hop on the show. Um, 
And so thank you for hopping on. Um, not just because I love Survivor, but um, I just love the journey. And, you know, um, you've had quite one, quite a journey. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, I'm really great. excited to see where Zone goes. Re- thank seriously. You. Thanks for having me. It's been great to chat about mm. all things life in general. But, um, yeah, thanks thanks for that. It's been nice to connect with a, a neighbour across the, across the, the ocean. Di- across the ditch. Australia. <laughs> It's my turn now. Australia. <laughs> you guys actually like Kiwis though, eh? We do like Australians, but there's always this like pretend we don't like you thing happening. But then I've noticed it's one way. <laughs> I love Kiwis. I connected with a fabulous Kiwi um, a couple of years ago, um, Barbara Kendall, who's probably well known in, in, in <laughs> yeah, very she, well. She was Hello, on the show Barbara. earlier last year. No way. Yeah, yeah. So she's a legend. Um, I met her doing a thing for the athlete commission and um yeah she's she's awesome so i'm keen to get there and keen to go for a surf with with bubs yeah she's at my neck of the woods she's about 20 minute drive from where i am she's fung put on so beautiful beaches yeah. yeah legend well thanks for the yarn it's been fun thank you Good